Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros, and I'm the other pastor here at St. Stephen's Church, and it is a blessing to be here with you. Whether we are gathered together in this space or you're joining us virtually, we are thankful that you are here to worship with us as we continue to grow and serve God. Today we, we conclude our look at the a vision statement of your church, of our church, of, and as we do so, we turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I mentioned a few weeks ago that Lori and I had had the opportunity to um, spent a, a week in the Holy Land, in Israel, and experienced a lot of wonderful things, visited some amazing places. And one of the places that sticks out in my mind is in the old city, old part of the city of Jerusalem, standing by the Western Wall, or some might call it the Wailing Wall. And as we stood there, um, it's a mass of people, it's a sea of people from all kinds of nations and ethnicities. They did separate by gender because of uh, Jewish faith, uh, well, Israeli faith it, um, concerns. But other than that, it was just a mass of people, Jew and Christian alike, and some tourists, some who were just there for tourist reasons, uh, no faith reasons at all. You'd see folks there who, had, who were there as an aspect of their faith, and some had prayer books in their hands. Others had come with prayers written on slips of paper to slide in between the seams of the stone of, of, that, of that wall. And these are huge stones. Um, and there, but every once in a while, there's just enough space to slide a piece of paper in. And others were just there with their heads bowed. But there was one group of folks who stood out among the rest, and those were Orthodox Jews. And these would have been the Orthodox Jewish men in particular with... Um, their yarmulkes on, and then they also had these boxes affixed to their foreheads and to their arms, and then there was leather strapping to hold them in place. And they were there, they generally had prayer books, and they were bobbing. It was, they were praying with their whole body, is what was, what was going on there. But what remembers, what stands out to me more than the, than the, devotion that you could see in their presence was those boxes. I just had a lot of questions. I had not experienced or seen that before. And what, what, what that was was men or teenage boys who had become under the authority of the covenant. They had gone through their bar mitzvah. They were sons of the covenant now. And they saw it as a commandment from this text and others to fix these things upon their bodies physically, to wear them. And in those boxes contained scriptures, contained this scripture, contained uh, the one that contains four scriptures. Uh, the one on the forehead was large enough. They had all four of the passages, two from Deuteronomy and two from, no, 
yes, two from Deuteronomy and two from Exodus in there separately, and the one on their arm was smaller, so they were all written on one paper. That doesn't make a huge difference, but uh, they were just talking about the significant events of the Exodus and of Moses' teaching preparing the people of Israel to transition from slavery in Egypt to taking possession of hostile territory in the Promised Land. And not only that, they, they had these mezuzahs, which are, well, a mezuzah is a doorpost, and, but they made the word the thing that you put on the, on the doorpost that holds the same scriptures. So you walk into a home of somebody of Jewish faith, you're likely to see this little rectangular container sits at an angle as you walk into their home or into their businesses. Many of them have them there. It was a way for them to transition from, we're slaves here, we're figuring what it means to be people of Yahweh in the wilderness. So Moses is getting them ready how to live that faith out as they enter into the promised land. So he's helping to establish basic faith principles for them, just things to hold on to, tangible things that they can, can claim and remember of who they are and who they are meant to be and how they live that out. And that's this part of Deuteronomy 6, um, in the, where we jump right into the middle of a sermon, pr- pretty much, that Moses is delivering to his people of how to live out their faith. So first he starts off, listen up, hear. This whole passage is called the Shema. In Hebrew, that that word hear is Shema. And it's, it's the Shema, it's the hear, O Israel. Hear this, hear this, O church, we could say for us today. Hear this. So the first thing as he's going through this text that we hear is that Yahweh is our God and only Yahweh is our God. Not all those ones, those Egyptian things that they fool around with down there in Egypt. You know, all the ones that the plagues showed up. You know, all the ten, the ten plagues of, of, the, of Egypt, of the Exodus, each one is meant to show God's power over any of the supposed gods of Egypt. They stand up against a specific uh, figure or deity that they would have embraced. So God alone is our God. Yahweh alone is our God. And you are to embrace Yahweh with everything that you are. And he lays it out with heart, soul, and might as we read it in this translation. Some places um, they translate it differently. Um, Another way to say it is with your, let's see, I've lost my place there. Your might, your abundance. But that word, it's one of my favorite Hebrew words. And I don't remember a lot of Hebrew from seminary, but I remember this word. It's your ma'od. And you hear, you, you have to say that word like from down here. It, it rests in the core of your being, ma'od. And you almost swallow the E part. It's your muchness. It's not your might as in physical strength. It's not your power you might or authority that you might wield. It's your from the very core of your being, all the things that God has given to you to make you who you are, your ma'od, your core of your being, all of these things come together in how you embrace Yahweh, how you embrace God. So let's, uh, I talked a little bit about the ma'od, but the heart and the soul, it's interesting. We put our current understandings of what those two things mean upon two very ancient 
understandings as we read them in Deuteronomy. These are somewhat in the range of 4,000 years old, the way that this was written down. And for heart, we think of heart as emotion, as the seat of our emotion. It tends to be how we use heart. But for them, they they didn't separate things as cleanly as we do. Um, Heart for them would be a mixture of our bodies and the part uh, aspect of our mind that makes choices or decisions about what we do with our bodies. I think of heart for in this active like what gets our heart racing. We use our heart, our bodies to do things, and it has a direct effect on our heart rate. Right? We can feel that. We can feel that change. So that's why they use heart for that. I say that's why. That's my understanding of why. And then also your your heart is part of your deciding process. If you recall in the Exodus, if you know that story, um, it said that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. He makes up Pharaoh's mind. He doesn't change Pharaoh's mind to say, nope, I want those slaves to come back. He hardens Pharaoh's heart to say, that's what he really wanted to do in the first place. So just do it. And then that's when they pursue them and they ultimately get um, swamped in the Red Sea. That was a lot of background information, I know. And then we go to soul, and so soul is the other part of our mind that would be called psyche, our personality. Um, and, and also, they wrap in there what we might call life force, um, that which makes us a living being. So they don't break things up cleanly. Uh, and I give all that background just to say it means everything. It just means everything of who we are. Love the Lord your God with your everything your heart your soul and your mo'od which by the way means muchness it's not a word we would use like if you were to translate that literally it'd be muchness i like that as a word by the way but we get might so there you go so we have over the last three weeks been exploring saint stephen's vision statement we've talked about receiving christ we've talked about reflecting christ and today we're going to talk about what's that banner say Relay Christ, all right, as the call for a new generation. So today we're going to explore that a little bit and using this scripture to help us do that. Um, This vision statement is shaped in such a way that it points to relaying Christ to the next generation, to our children. And and as I was thinking about this uh, sermon, what text I would use, my mind went immediately to Deuteronomy 6, where Moses is to to, sh- to recite these things to your children. But as I continue to read and, and ponder on that text, it, it even gives us a framework of how to do that, of what to do, of what it means to fully relay uh, love of God, to fully recite those things, to relay that um, to others. So beginning at verse 7, recite them to your children. These things is Moses is referring to. Um, recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. We have a distinct and explicit responsibility to convey the faith to the next generation. There's, I don't think there's any question in that at all. We have a, 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 when we baptize a child in the church, really when we baptize anybody, but there's part of that, of that liturgy that invites you to also make a commitment to help that one being baptized to grow in faith. And again, we typically think of that as, as a children's thing. 
Um, so in churches, if we were to take that seriously, we might never need to ask for volunteers for kids' stuff. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, but we do take it seriously, and we not all can do kids' stuff all the time. Um, but that's one of the things we do, and, and we, we're intentional about that. The church is even um, intentional about being uh, responsible for raising our children in faith to pass it along, um, to pass along not just knowledge, but a life faith, that, that faith that is heart, soul, and muchness in our everything, our, from the very core of our being. It's not just teaching stuff in Sunday school, which is uh, absolutely important, but it's about even just about the church as kids see other, uh, see you, see us, see other adults walking around, that they see a, a reflection, a reflection of Christ coming from us. That the words that are spoken in church match up with the way that we live our lives. Whether it's in the church building or they run into you at the, hopefully not literally, but meet you at the grocery store or at McDonald's or wherever you might be. This is part of our responsibility as followers of Christ, as of relaying the faith to the next generation. Now, Moses keeps talking, though. He doesn't just say, recite them to your children and talk about them. If we, if we end that phrase there, it sounds like, recite these things to your kids and then we'll have a conversation about it. That's what it sounds like. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing, by the way, um, to talk about things, not just lay them out there, but have a conversation so you understand a depth of what you're talking about. But he says, recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. That and talk about them, that's not connected to the kids. That's not connected to the kids. That's a secondary thing. There's a lot of one and twos in this text. There's this and then there's that. And it's him reinforcing it, but he's also expanding it. Because when we think about when we're away with our kids, we might think about when we go on vacation, when we go to grandma's house, when we go to an amusement park. These people were walking around in the desert when he was telling them this, this stuff. They weren't going on vacation. They were kind of on vacation. The worst vacation ever, but they were on vacation. And they were all together. So when you're at home and when you're away, that, that's not necessarily just talking about their kids. It still includes their kids. But this means to anyone you might encounter when you're away from home, when you're away. So the to whom part of this, uh, of this framework that we get from Deuteronomy, he lays out, to, to whom are we to recite this? To whom are we to relay faith in Jesus Christ? It is to our children, but we have a responsibility to do it for others as well. It's not just our kids. So, but we, to our children, but also to others. Now, this is not a stand on the corner and, you know, preach and, or, or scream or whatever. Um, we think of evangelism as a scary word of sharing the good news. Um, evangelism, by the way, the word, and, and, we pronounce it angel, but if you just separate it out, it's what word? Angel. Messenger. That's all we're called. We're called to be messengers. Share the message. What's the message? The good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. And most of the time, the most effective way of doing that 
is simply of living faithful lives and being feeling free to speak about things of faith with people that you are connected to. It comes up in conversation. Um, and you, don't, you, you don't even have to force it usually. It, it, we just we tend to avoid it rather than uh, taking that opportunity. When we're talking with folks and sharing about things, what'd you do this weekend? Did, you could talk about, oh, I went to church. You could talk about what you did at church. You could talk about going to Grace Ministries on Friday. You could talk about teaching something in a class or, or being a part of a small group or uh, any ministry you've served in. And that creates an opportunity, an open door to talk more, to learn more. And as those conversations grow, then, then it's an easy step to say, hey, do you want to know, do you want to go with me? You want to go with me? The most effective evangelism system ever created, and it wasn't created, it just happens, is come and go with me. Simple. You can't copyright or trademark it because it's just words that you string together every day. And nobody's going to make any money off of publishing it either, but, but just come and go with me. What's the hardest thing about doing something new? It's going the first time by yourself, right? Maybe not the hardest thing, but it's one of the hard things. It's 10 times harder when it's connected to a church. 10 times harder. So when we, just the invitation of come and go with me. I'll sit next to you or I'll serve next to you. I'll I'll show you what we do. I'll tell you what's next. I'll help you get familiar with what happens here. That's, That's relaying faith. It's relaying Christ in the most basic of terms. And as they get familiar with the church, it's our hope that the things that are happening in the church will help them get to know Jesus. It's true for our kids. It's true for anybody. The framework that Deuteronomy also puts out for us, not only does it for to whom do we recite or relay Christ, um, but the where, the when, and the how. The where and the, and the, the when, they're pretty, they're pretty simple. Um, it's... It's pretty direct. Recite in part. The, that's the second part of this. Well, the, we're going to look at that verse again. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you're away. That pretty much covers it. Pretty much covers it. I'm not going to say any more about that. Just anywhere. Everywhere. We have an opportunity. When. All right. Second half of that verse is when you lie down and when you rise. So anytime I'm awake, pretty much, as I'm lying down and as I'm getting up and all the times in between is pretty much what Moses is saying. So it's an all the time thing. It's really easy for us to separate our church lives from the rest of our lives. And it happens. I know it happens. Some of the, some of the most profound conversations I have with folks is when they're, they're trying, they, all of a sudden they realize they don't have to be separate. They can, they're, they're overlapping and, and all of a sudden they're like, wow, I can, I can be a Christian at work. Yeah. Or on the highway. You can do it, folks. You can do it in traffic. I'm, I'm telling you, you can do it. It's hard. We all need Jesus, particularly sitting in traffic. Um, but it's everywhere, and, and, it's, and it's about a life that is fully blended together. Our, our, our church life and the rest of our life are not two separate things. They are one thing. And then how? 
Deuteronomy talks about binding them, these things, these tacits, these understandings, as a sign in your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on your doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Orthodox Jews take that very seriously with the um, phylacteries, is what these things are called, and the mezuzah is the one on on the door frames. But we understand them metaphorically. Hands would be actions. Now, these we can go pretty much straight from what we might say today. Hands would be actions, and forehead is the seat of the mind and our thoughts and our thinking and our learning and our growing and all of those things. And then the doorposts of our homes and our gates, that's, that's our houses, but it's also our places of business or, or market. Again, they're in the middle of the desert. They don't have a lot of um, like front porch gates or, or, or backyard gates. This is not what they're talking about. They're talking about the places where business is done. It's either the entrance to the area or where you might cover, you put a bar down in front of where the sheep or the flock is, is pinned up. Those are the gates. So it's at, your, it's at home, but it's also at work and all the places in between. And we do that how? We do it through everything. This is, again, this is in everything. It's everybody. To whom? Everybody. Uh, let's see. Where? Thank you. Everywhere. When? All the time. And how? With everything that we are. Everything that we are. That's the challenge. The good news is there's grace. Because we don't make a decision one day and wake up and say, I'm going to do all of this all the time forevermore. You can say that. I know nobody that's achieved that. Um, Jesus didn't have to wake up and say it. He just was that, right? So the grace is that God helps us to live in towards this. And Jesus gave us this wonderful thing called the church, the gathered followers, other believers to help us and to encourage us to live this out. That's the beauty of it. We don't have to do this on our own. We're not going to jump into it all at once and be there. We're going to do it together, and it's a, and it's a process. It's a pro- I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And the more I learn, the more I learn I need to learn. But that's a whole other sermon. But as Moses calls the community, the people, the nation of Israel to pass along their faith, Jesus continues to challenge us to do the same, to relay our faith to the world around us. People continue to ask us, me and me, about what's our vision for the church, and that's going to be a while. I'm just going to tell you, we have ideas about stuff. We can, we can tweak things and change little things, but as far as a big old vision, we're not there yet. Well, I don't. You, no. I, didn't, I, I thought I could say that safely, but I thought I better check, too. But my vision for the church universal is that we get more comfortable with this aspect, with that aspect of relaying faith. Because the more comfortable we are with that aspect of, this is more than just passing along to the, to the other people that live in our house. It's about living in such a way that, that we are an open book to Christ, that our lives, whoop, that one, reflect Christ in everything that we are, individually and collectively. And then taking seriously relaying Christ as a call for a new generation. And 
for all people, for anyone, everywhere. And when we take that aspect seriously, this becomes a cycle of discipleship. Because how do we receive Christ if nobody's relaying Christ to us? So when somebody has relayed faith to us, and we welcome that gift and receive it, then our lives start to reflect Christ. And the more we reflect Christ, the more confident we become in being able to relay Christ. And then guess what? Somebody receives Christ. And it's this ongoing disciple-making process. It's a beautiful thing. And it's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them of all things. Go from here, from Jerusalem to Judah to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus had his own to everybody everywhere version. That's who we're called to be. The fullness of this vision is a lifestyle of disciples making disciples who make a difference in the world. It's a commitment to not only knowing Jesus, it's a commitment to sharing Jesus in action and word. It's a commitment to revealing the love of Jesus in the church and in the world, at home, at work, in the neighborhood. Yes, and still on the highway. I'm going to beat that drum often. And on and on and on. All the places we go, wherever we are, we don't have to be different people. We just have to be Jesus' people. And as we conclude the series today, I invite us to take, a, take the time to confirm or reconfirm our commitment to making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world as people of St. Stephen's as we recite the vision statement in full together. Would you please stand? This is our affirmation of faith today. We'll say that everything that's on the banner because there's a whole other sentence after the thing on the banner. All right, let's start. Receive Christ as the key to life. Reflect Christ as the catalyst for community. Relay Christ as the call for a new generation. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated.